Welcome back to another episode of PPK. No, this isn't an episode of Sunday service. No, oh, we're black sweatshirts. This is actually the new Sorrow design. Yep. Yeah, we'll put pictures up since you can't see our back. You can't even really see the front, actually. Yeah. But uh, available now. They're uh, just dropped on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, cop, uh, put a lot of work into it. Um, your boy's actually been hand-sewing tags and a lot of stuff, so been a lot of fun but yeah yeah shout out to draco out there who's uh also part of that collab so if you're not following subscribing and doing all of that and paying attention to pbk the, the drops that miko in particular has been driving have been really good so you know don't sleep on it you know we've been selling out the last uh last couple of designs and so just just keep an eye on it this is a our lady of sorrows version so it's very uh, appropriate for our time in today's age so we're doing a Modern Saint series, are we not, boys? So I'm um, going to kick it over to Meeks. Yeah, no one asked for it, but we're just going to give it to them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just take it. You <laughs> no know? one said, hey, do this. Uh, bless me, GoPro. Uh, his feast was on the November, November 23rd, so it's a few weeks ago, uh, from our recording and when it will be released. Obviously, he's known uh, most known for his pictures, kind of holding up the rosary and the crucifix, and, uh, and he just gets blasted <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. So really intense. Um, so we're going to get into his bio, obviously, like we usually do for, for Modern Saint series, uh, a little bit of reflection, and then we want to have two sort of main points, right? Talking about Christ the King, uh, you know, Viva Christ Ray, and, uh, and then being ready for martyrdom, mm-hmm. another obvious point there. So we want to show you guys that, you know, we could become pro, basically, <laughs> is, what, is what the goal of this episode is. <laughs> we, so could we could go pro. pro. <laughs> so that's, that's the main point. Uh, you guys, if you guys have anything to add, I can just hop right into the bio. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So he's born in Guadalupe. That was also a couple of days ago as well. Um, Guadalupe, Mexico, obviously, January 13th, 1891. Um, and the website that I was looking at, he said that, he was popular with the senoritas. It was the exact <laughs> words that they used. So, you know, well, he, he, everyone was trying to become pro you know, in those days. Uh, he had a lot of prospects, I guess, of a lucrative career. I think his dad um, owned some sort of owned some sort of business. I forgot what it was. I don't know if it was like mining or maybe I was reading some other story of a saint. Who knows? And it all kind of mixes <laughs> in together. But, uh, anyways, he didn't want any of that. He could have had some good career, but he's like, Nah, I'm good. And uh, he entered the Jesuit novitiate. <laughs> this is 1911 though so a little yeah, bit different yeah, it was a little different this was, was in, different uh, back in the day. this was in Michoacan so he studied in Mexico until 1914 and then that's when they had a bunch of anti-Catholic sort of uh, laws and stuff starting and um, basically forces novitiate to leave uh, flee the United and flee to the United States actually so he was in Texas and New Mexico a little bit and then he went to the Jesuit house in Los Gatos California mm. so Interesting, and then he actually went for his theological studies to Belgium. So he's really, you know, just firing everywhere. And then uh, that's where the French Jesuits, who I guess were also also in exile, were. Um, so he did his studies there, and then he became a priest in uh, in Belgium in 1925. And then his first assignment was actually in Belgium as well. And he was oh, this is what I was thinking of it because he went to go work in like some coal mines or something like that. And I guess a lot of them were like atheists and socialists and stuff. But he was still like you know talking to him basically and essentially i guess won him over um is what they said and then he had a i guess he had a lot of health problems as well 
So it seems like common, I guess, with a lot of these, these saints, especially dying younger, mm-hmm. even though he'd even died due to health problems. He just also had them. But he, he had three operations for ulcers. So that can't be fun. And uh, in 1926, they let him go back to Mexico. So by the time he went back, basically all the churches were closing and any priests that were there were all in hiding. Um, basically spent the rest of his life in secret ministry, um, just serving the the good peeps of, of Mexico. Um, you know, he obviously would do things like give people the Eucharist, say mass, but it would all be essentially like underground, right? <laughs> so he had a lot of different disguises. I don't think, I was, I was trying to find pictures of him. I'll try to find as many as I can. There wasn't too many, but uh, he would come, you know, dressed as a beggar to, you know, baptize or bless marriages, whatever. He would appear in jail dressed as a police officer. Nice. To, uh, animal. to yeah, to bring the, you know, the fire and sacraments to, to the people. And then I guess when he went to fashionable neighborhoods, I think this is a more popular one, he would kind of dress and, you know, he'd look all dandy and proper um, just so that he wouldn't get uh, caught, caught red-handed, I guess. And so um, then president, I guess there's a failed attempt to assassinate President uh, Alvaro, uh, who's, you know, the big atheist guy. And uh, they basically were trying to point it at Miguel Pro and his brothers. So then they ended up getting arrested and uh, he was executed without trial, classic. And um, this is when, obviously, all the stuff's happening, right? So they have all those pictures. And basically, like, the president was trying to send a message with those pictures, except it wasn't the message that he thought he was sending. Right. He actually <laughs> fired up a lot of people. And so this is a, obviously the really cool story where it's November 23rd, 1927. He walks from his cell to the courtyard in the firing squad. He blessed soldiers, knelt, and briefly played quietly. He declined a blindfold. He faced his executioners with a crucifix in one hand and a rosary in the other and held out his arms in imitation of the crucified Christ and shouted out, May God have mercy on you. May God bless you. Lord, thou knowest I am innocent. With all my heart, I forgive my enemies. And before the firing squad was ordered to shoot, Pro raised his arms in imitation of Christ and shouted the defiant cry of the Cristeros, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. And then I guess the initial shots didn't really fire him, so then someone had to go point blank range and and do it to him um unfortunately and then supposedly the president was reported to have looked down upon a throng i'm not, I'm not sure what a throng is dude sounds like something else i know though uh of forty thousand people which lined uh pro's funeral procession so and i guess another twenty thousand weight at the cemetery so obviously it had a pretty big effect probably shouldn't have put that in the newspaper i'd imagine um and so there's some other stuff that we get into but basically like it's really interesting the Mexico government, I mean, just doing things like mandating secular education in schools. So kind of just slowly mm. built built in some things, right? Mm. So we, which we could talk about. Forbade uh, public worship outside of church buildings. Mm. Um, restricted religious organization rights to own property. So just a lot of really interesting things. I mean, I think it was at the point, yeah, religious couldn't even vote, which is pretty gnarly. Mm. Um, so yeah, we don't have to get into all that kind of stuff. Yeah, But uh, I mean, initial reflections. I mean... First off, if you haven't seen uh, for uh, Greater Glory, mm-hmm. you need to go watch it. I'm not I'm not sure about the accuracy of it necessarily as far as historically, but it does shed some light on what happens when you try to root God out of the culture, out of society. If you Caius Law, President Caius, who's the one who um, ordered essentially, you know, to shut down the church, it, he knew exactly what to do to uh, still essentially gain control of the people and that what the one thing that unifies all classes all ethnicities is the faith 
And I think, <clears throat> so there's that, there's that aspect of it. I think reflection wise, and, and of course being very familiar with both the story of the Cristeros. Um, it's one often that I, I refer to, especially in modern day, um, discussions because it's like it's really not that far removed it's a 20th century 20th century thing it's a neighboring country to america and this is what happens when secular atheists come in and try to take over they're going to try to steal the hope and the faith of the people and replace god with government and that's what you saw but blessed miguel pro in particular is what you see you hope for in shepherds today courage right so he's willing to die for Christ and for his bride, the church. He's willing to risk his own life to bring the sacraments to, to everybody. So, the, you know, being uh, creative and crafty was just something that was super impressive, right? I mean, really all the Cristeros that gathered together, this was the people speaking out, the people of God coming forth and saying, oh, you're not, the government is not going to win this battle. But I, I think just, I just wanted to kind of shed some light on that background. But I, I you know, I think for my own personal reflection is how, how can I go bro? Right. I mean, how can we become pros? <laughs> because it's true, right? Like how do we in today's time, um, be as creative and innovative as this holy priest and to be able to know when to stand. Um, but also know when, you know, as Jesus told us in scripture, right? Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. So blessed Miguel pro did what he needed to do to be able to bring the sacraments, bring the gospel ultimately to those that he, um, he wished to serve in in the church, Keone. Yeah, and I think you know you could have seen Blessed Miguel Pro um, riot, lead riots, right? And we need to fight against this government. Um, but he, like you said, there's that craftiness, that creativity that I think um, wasn't maybe wasn't even in the radar. I think of just during the pandemic, right, and our shepherds and like what we saw, mm-hmm. and like it was like either we just completely acquiesce to whatever's going on just for the sake of obedience. Or we, I guess, I don't know if, if the, what the opposite was, or we need to lead a revolt and just completely disobey. And it was kind of like, well, I'd rather disobey, right? But like, Blessed Miguel Pro is like, there's a third option here. And we can actually go out and we can work around and be creative and, and put his life on the line, but for the sake of his, his flock. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because it said that he was still obedient to his his elders, right, and to his uh, his brothers, right. He wasn't, he wasn't disobeying or defying anything, but he saw the greater good for the people, right, as a as a, a shepherd, which was amazing. I'm thinking about for you know how we apply it to to my life as like a a shepherd of my own home, mm-hmm. right. When can I learn to be creative, not just you know this really upset me that you know when my daughter goes into school, whatever school she ends up going to, hopefully it has some solid education we're working our way up there but let's say if she ends up at a secular school i'm not going to lead a revolt for revolt's sake right but trying to find ways to um speak truth trying to find ways to make sure that my daughter is nourished and my future kids are nourished right but just to have that idea of um being creative and being an instrument and having the courage to be that instrument mm-hmm. right um because i think we can just go to the polar opposites of like i'm either going to lead this revolt or i'm going to bend over backwards and it's like no actually right? The Lord gave you talents, gifts, right? How about you go dress up as a police officer and go into jails? I mean, just right in their face, right? Um, But there's that boldness. And I think that only comes with uh, a passion, right? A complete surrender and just receptivity to the Holy Spirit to even think of that, right? Like I can't even, I don't even know if I've met a priest, right? Who would think about doing that now, right? Like I'm going to dress up as a, uh, 
a public health <laughs> consultant, right? And you follow Outland. You just have yeah. no choice anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, but something like that, I think it just takes incredible one passion for the faith, drive for love for the Lord, but also that receptivity. Like, this is the desire of my heart for my people, Lord. Give me the grace to meet that. And it was just like, huh, I can dress up like this, right? And so meet the needs in a way that was out of mm-hmm. obedience, right? That only comes from both passion, but true receptivity. Because um, we could have reacted out of passion, right? Just straight passion. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm leading revolts or I'm not standing for this. And it, it could um, maybe potentially lead more people away from the faith. So I thought it was a, just that beautiful balance of passion and receptivity that that obviously convicted many people, as you see, um, is at his funeral. Yeah, I was going to uh, bring up a quote real quick um, to kind of speak to to what you're saying. He says, we ought to speak, shout out against injustices with confidence and without fear. We proclaim the principles of the church, the reign of love, without forgetting that it's also a reign of justice. And I think it's interesting because, like, the the fear part, right, like, you know, fear doesn't come from God. And so I think a lot of times we can sort of do those things, and that's a lot of where I had issues with sort of the COVID thing, right, where it's mm-hmm. like we're, we're all living in this fear, and that has nothing to do, like, where's our trust, where's our confidence in God? So kind of like Kelly said, like, we don't sort of go to that extreme. But then also remember, we proclaim the principle of the church, the reign of love. So, like, it's all tied in charity. We should be doing things in charity. I think about, like, sort of um, my last year, which has been, you know, obviously a crazy roller coaster, but it's been a lot of things where I could be fearful or just don't really have that trust. And it's like, at the end of the day, I've just been trying to figure out, like, am I doing things for myself? Who am I doing it for? But at my core, I should just really be doing it for charity, right? Doing mm-hmm. it for love of others, doing it for love of my wife, doing it for love of, of God. And um, I think that's a... I, I, most of our decisions, like, what are we doing it for, right? Is it out of fear? Is it for, yeah. you know, the sake of what we, th- personal justice? Or is it, you know what I mean, justice of God? Um, but I think that can at least help us propel to the next thing, which I want to talk about Christ Christ the King. Because um, obviously we're going to always be in a point where we don't agree with the government. And I'm not sure in America, I, f- I find it hard to believe that we'll get to a point like that of, of a government. Um because they're not atheists, they know exactly who God is. You know what I mean, and yeah, uh, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna do things that are um, a little bit stronger. Um, because I think it's subtler, right? So that's the that's the modernist way. They don't really, um, at least true modernists. Those guys were amateurs. Those, those atheists try to come out and do all that stuff, right? That's not how you really should do it. Um, so I think that's a good point, at least for us to kind of sit on like, what does you know Christ the King mean? Because ultimately, I think we all learned in 2020 that. We had great hopes for something, and we can't put our faith into a politician. We can't put our faith into anybody else except for mm-hmm. Christ, right? So no matter what's happening, and Augusta Miguel Pro is moving, once again, out of charity. He's not moving out of fear. So even when it's literally like your life is on the line every single day, right? I think about how many issues I think that I have, and how many times I can just sort of move out of fear. Or I, I just really want to grasp control, right? Mm-hmm. I want to figure out what am I doing? What's my plan? How am I going to be able to do this, this, and that? Because I know that's what God's calling me to. Mm-hmm. When sometimes he's just calling you to trust in that day, right? He's calling you to just have joy in that moment of not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And Bus Miguel Pro, I mean, really just had no clue each day what was going to happen. But he moved as if, like, you know, that was going to be his last. And now all of us aren't in that situation. We got to figure that out for our, our own selves. Mm-hmm. But I think it ties back to the idea that, like, Christ is king. So, no matter what's going on around you, right? Like uh, Chris Stefano was good at the the whole joy piece and, right? It's Chris. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And just like, you know, he had a talk that we'd went to and just joy has nothing to do with what's going on around you. Nothing yeah. at all. 
it's yeah. always interior, right? Yep. Well, you think about um, whether you use joy or you even say peace, right? It's not the absence of suffering or chaos. It's the presence of God, ultimately, right, is what we're saying. So when we go to like Christ the King, that concept and what we're, you know, there's so much here that we can unpack. And obviously we want to we want to stay centered on um, the saint of this series. But does our life actually speak to Christ being the king of our lives, right? Does, does it, and that means that I'm willing to actually die. And that's the part that we were struggling with. You brought it up. Like, where is our faith? Like, if, if, if we hope in Christ, <clears throat> what, there's no government. There's, no, there's nobody that can take away our faith unless we allow them to, right? So we don't allow people to assume an authority that's not theirs. And I think that's the part when we fear bodily death rather than spiritual death, there's a problem. And I think that's the only thing that these, you know, these communist governments or these, you know, these people, these power struggles with politicians or, you know, secular media or the tech, you know, oligarchs that are out there, they're, they're, they have the worldly power and they want to try to steal your hope. I mean, we know that's the Satan's ultimate goal, right, is to, to cause you to give up on God and therefore your life and therefore take your life. So. I, you know, I think Christ the King for us as a reflection would be, well, how is Christ really King of your life? If he is really the, 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 the true King that I serve, he's got the army, he's got all the resources, and at the end, he has the victory. And so if, if I'm not living my life accordingly, if I'm trying to acquiesce and, and ebb and flow, again, everyone has to discern whether or not you're called to be, you know, the Maccabean revolt, if you're the one that's called to be out there starting that revolution. But we should be revolutionizing everyone in our control and our in our world in in a very gospel oriented way what say you kenny yeah just living out christ the king in our lives it can often seem paradoxical in how we live it out as far as exercising faith because we think about how blessed miguel pro went out and took risks right but i mean even just being out there you have guns pointing at you right and just this confidence you see the confidence you see the security the stability and how he went about in his life, obviously in the midst of obvious, maybe struggles, doubts, you know, <clears throat> obviously physical pain. Right. But I think something that, um, trips us up often is we feel that in order to reach that level of security, stability, confidence, faith, we have to do more and control more. And it's actually the exact opposite. Mm. It's like the more we rest in his, in, in our Lord Christ, the King's love, the more we surrender, the more we, become receptive to whatever it is he's calling us right here today well then there's the stability security because he always delivers right in the little ways and if we can do that and consecrate today right then right when we are asked to take our actual life right give our life up for some cause it was the series of i've been doing this my whole life type of thing right because oftentimes we see like well it'd be really cool if we were martyred Right. Or that would be like what a witness testimony, right? To be martyred. And that's the sure way to heaven. Right. But like there's little moments that set all these saints up that the Lord was preparing their hearts for that. Uh, it wasn't just like, hey, you're going to be a saint. So, you know, in a year from now, you're going to, you know, have to give your life up. I mean, they are giving their life up in a lot of ways, not as a matter of a loss, but actually they gained true joy. They gained security, stability in the Lord who who wants their ultimate good and can use them to change the world, to change people around them, to actually save souls. Right. Mm. So there's just that constant, I think we battle this in the day to day, right. We want that control. 
We want to have that faith, that stability, security. And so we want to grasp more or try to control more, plan more, right? And again, it's like, no, the Lord's asking you to receive first. Not that you're never going to do and plan, but it's out of reception first, right? You got to mm-hmm. receive the grace. You have to work through, be an instrument through the Holy Spirit. And then it guides whatever he's asking you to do or plan. Um, but I, I just, I think that's uh, often a big barrier for us as we apply, you know, trying to b- become pros, <laughs> right? Is, is to have that that idea of, Lord, how can I, in the midst of everything I'm, I'm feeling right now, how can I offer it to you to respond the way you want me to respond today? Yeah. Big or small. Yeah, you could say being Marian for Petrine. Mm. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could say that. Um, no, but that was good because that's perfect for what I was thinking for. You know, sort of the being ready to die, being a martyr, sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. you have to be ready to like die to yourself mm-hmm. first, right? So that's been my, I think, sort of a big thing I've been reflecting on, especially because since we've been trying to do you know full time ministry and just really trying to figure out these things out, and a lot of times I find myself doing things for the sake of how am I going to do this for the, you know, others? Like, how am I going to be able to reveal this? Or I'm always thinking about the teen or young Miko, you know, how am I going to be able to relay that? But it's more, more importantly, what I'm starting to realize that like, I need my own heart to be penetrated and like, just really offer things up. Right. Mm. And like, like when Shia LaBeouf says in his interview with Bishop Barron, like, man, it just felt good to hear, like, let go, you know, in the gospel. That's, that's what I got out of it. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Like martyrdom, we can talk about the craziness of it all, right? I mean, blessing the people before you're going to die. Don't even want to blindfold. You want to look the people in the eyes that are shooting you. I mean, a lot of crazy stuff that we could discuss. But if we're not talking about sort of those things of dying to ourselves, and I look at Miguel Pro, and then I think about things that like make me angry, right? Which is like, you know, I don't know, flip flops at mass and just, you know, you know, basic stuff like that. And, uh, I never forget. I had a, I had a conversation with a guy, same men's conference that Chris Stefani was talking, uh, talking at. And we were saying something and he was kind of just like, you know, what is this whole sort of obsession with young people and tradition? Right. And then I was like, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm really a a very non-confrontational person. So I was, I'm like, all right, well, he's kind of looking at me and I'm the youngest one there. Right. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll say something. And I was like, well, for me, it's just really, you know, changed the way I viewed my faith, honestly, especially mass, like especially mass. And it's completely, you know, altered so many things for me in the way that I view it all. And so obviously they respected that. I don't think he was saying as like a, you know, trying to pick an argument. I think he's just genuinely curious. And then we kind of started talking and he was asking me like, you know, what is it that I want to do like with the ministry and stuff? And I was telling him, I just, I really want to be the person that I I needed. That's all I want to do. You know, I want to show people, I want to be relational but I want to show people that like, you know, there's, there's not this certain, there's not this idea of like, who's here's who you have to be, or here's who you have to lose. Like you can still be exactly who you are, exactly, you know, exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. Come as you are. Mm-hmm. And so I was like telling him that and he was like, see, you didn't have to mention like the liturgy at all. Right. Like, and I was like, yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't appropriate. Obviously don't mention liturgy, but it was like this idea. He was kind of sharing this idea that like, sometimes we get caught up in this like liturgy battle and like there's souls out there, right? Like what was Jesus doing? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, does Jesus deserve a proper and respectful and, and um, beautiful liturgy? He does. But I think his point was like, where was Jesus at though? You know what I mean? Like was yeah. he just chilling in the synagogue and being like, eh, wrong. Or was he like out there being relational? And so I think it's either in that kind of stuff. Like you're thinking about martyrdom and like, that's what these people are doing. They're going out. And as much as I like, 
can get really frustrated at a lot of things, which it really isn't hard to do. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. have to be impressive for me to get frustrated at it. It just has to be present in front of me, basically. Um, I've just been realizing more of like, you know, that piece, like dying to what I think whatever deserves justice or dying what I think would just make sense in general, right? Like I just want to make sense of my life <laughs> at the end of the day when I'm trying to grasp for control. But I got to like let go of that piece. So that's at least when I'm thinking about martyrdom, like personally, that's kind of martyrdom I need. But if it gets to the point where someone's going to shoot me, I mean, we can get there too. Um, but it's almost like, that's almost, I don't want to say easier, but it can be almost, you know, yeah, someone the, came up to the us. The red martyrdom to say, yeah. uh, you need to denounce Christ. I guess I'm just going to have to take a bullet versus the, yeah. the, the self-denial aspect, the dying to yourself every day, the, like the uh, actually humility required to actually grow in virtue. And it's funny when you're talking about it, I'm, <clears throat> you know, you know that mom and I've been, uh, you know, picking up picking up the uh the chosen series mm. right and uh and for those of you who haven't i was really skeptic about it for a while and i, I still have my thoughts and views on it as, as an overall series you have to keep in mind that if you're not you need to read the bible you need to understand scripture because not all of it is scripturally based and, and there's a lot of inferences there relative to a storyline and the, the drama right and accents <clears throat> yeah the, yeah yeah the accents are yeah we can do better but it's a, it's a good, there's certain parts of it that's moving. But what you reminded me of, I think it was the last, the last episode of, of season one. And the, you know, you got all the apostles, you even have Mama Mary there, uh, or most of the apostles there. They're sitting around a campfire. Jesus is off healing. He's been healing all day long. And then they just start bickering. They start bickering about, um, I think they started picking, you know, uh, uh, Peter and everyone start picking on Matthew because Matthew's the tax collector. And this is like, you know, they did start having this, like this talk about what it would be like to have power and money. And so they're looking at Matthew. Well, yeah. What was it like? You know, what it was like, and then they start having all this. And so then it starts getting sideways because everyone's getting puffed up. You betrayed us, blah, 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 blah. And all you see is Jesus. Finally, after hours upon hours of healing, he's walking back super tired barely can walk and he just like waves over to him and this is like the end of that episode he's just like you know good evening and mama mary from there rushes over to kind of care to him washes his feet cleans off the blood off of his face you know because because he's, he's obviously was taking care of people that were bleeding and, and whatnot and to me that's the point where we can have some of our arguments, right? We can have the liturgical arguments. We can have about traditional versus more progressive. We can have about your praying style versus mine, charismatic versus this and that. And again, we can we can go there. We have spiritual preferences in our lives relative to how we want to worship and how we receive God best in our own spiritual journey. But at the end of the day, what are we doing to actually advance the gospel? What are we doing to actually go and heal people and bring people to Christ? And I think that's like a key when you talk about martyrdom. Sometimes it's dying to your own self-preferences as it relates to even God. What you see God as, what you see as Holy Mother Church as, what you see as as a service, as the priority of service. And so it just really hit home when you were just saying that. It's the first image that came to mind where it was just like, Jesus is out doing it. We're over here bickering among each other like, well, why would you do it that way? Why would you do it that way? And then we get caught up in that. And then rather than getting vertical first with God and then getting horizontal, we kind of do this navel-gazing piece. Keone, closing thoughts. Yeah, just lastly, you know, the, the biggest points that came out as you guys were talking is the balance of truth and beauty um, and constantly trying to uphold both. And I think we can, we can sway one way or over the other, right? 
Um, and that's the great divorce. That's one of the great divorces, right? And the devil tries to use them against each other. And, and so just in, in applying it to our day, it's not that we, we, you know, don't want to have the most beautiful liturgy. It's not that we don't want to uphold and, and present church teaching to those that we evangelize. But if I'm not meeting them in a way that they'll receive any glimmer of Christ, either within the church teaching, the catechism or not, well, then I'm, I might be doing it for my own sake. Mm. Right. And it's like, it's, it's, there's that, that re again, receptivity. Where is this soul at that? I think Jesus as you know, he was out there healing. He wasn't really teaching them like, you know, at that point, this is, this is what, you know, this is my church and this is X, Y, Z. He met their physical wounds first. I'm the healer. Right. And then there's this like, oh my gosh, like a drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Right. And at that point, trust, just like with any evangelization, now I can let go of some things of my life. Um, but there's there's that balance between truth and beauty. And sometimes a person calls for more of one over the other. But that exercises, that's the, that calls for the exercise of prudence. We can't have real prudence if we're not receptive. Mm -hmm. Right? Being receptive, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I apply these uh, things to for that soul? And, and how can I let go of my my own agenda right? to be an instrument? Right? Back to Blessed Miguel Pro, he was an instrument. He had gifts he had courage he had passion but if he did it his own way it might have looked different yeah right and that's what we're calling to do is not that we all have to dress up in you know in business attire or as a policeman that might be not be what god calls us to do as priests of our home or as you know just uh lay persons but uh we all have separate gifts and we have to prayerfully reflect on what is it that the lord is calling us to use each and every day for the greater glory of god but obviously to have joy in our hearts and to live that out because that is what breaks through people's brokenness. That's what breaks down those walls, is that joy that even when a gun is to your head, my arms are out and I am at peace. Mm -hmm. Praying for you on top of that. Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at, you know, now that we've done a few episodes, um, the same situations with, you know, Miguel Pro and Padre Pio and uh, Pierre Giorgio Fasati, where they're dealing with a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll corrupt governments, but Padre Pio also is just kind of like, you got Father Altman, dude. He's like, yeah. you know, you're not going to really be a priest for a little bit. And so... He stripped I think of his faculties by his superiors. Yeah. yeah. And I think about what Kelly's saying. Yeah, the, the the piece of it is really important. And there can be sort of two ways, right? It can be like the dramatic piece of what Kelly's talking to of, you know, look at their situations and what they're willing to do, right? So George Fasadi's selling everything that he has came from a pretty wealthy family and he's mm -hmm. just going to go and do it. Or Padre Pio was just didn't let that you lose his peace you know i mean it's kind of hard when you you don't know if it's mary or the devil you know he's got a lot of other things he's got to figure out too in his day um and then miguel pro just like i'm gonna do whatever i have to do to be a shepherd you know and i think that can do two ways and really just wrapping up of what we've been talking about there's this idea of we'll look at the evil of what's going on in our government right like we were seeing happening with china and that's mm -hmm. very possible i mean they were just all flirting with the idea that's what covid showed us what they're capable of doing and uh and just the attack on the family and life and gender and all this stuff that's just yeah. um an obvious formula but then there's also just the fact of like the division that can be caused between just catholics alone or christians or whatever it may be like yeah. you know what or I mean? your family your family all this stuff so it's like we got to figure out those battles that are really worth dying for you know yeah. and I mean, abortion's one. That's that's one worth dying for. Yeah. But so is your family, and so is the people around you and your community. You know, and so 
no matter what was going on, I, I don't think in our lifetime we'll ever be as, as crazy as uh, fascist Italy or, you know, atheist Mexican government style, um, even though they, there's a lot of common things there. Yeah. But I think we're called to things that are just like we're saying, it's, uh, that, are much, that are much harder, dude. I mean, if you look, this is a pretty rough analogy, but I'll, I guess I'll just throw it out there. Like, if you did, they always say big tattoos are way easier to do than super small dainty ones, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you're just doing, if I'm just writing John, and I'm not straight, I'll see every little squiggle. If I'm doing St. Michael on the back, man, I could shade the hell out of that guy right there, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to see any of that stuff. So sometimes those big things are real easy to do. It's just like when you come home at night or when you look in the mirror or when that alarm goes off, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like we got to figure out what are those battles we're dying for, and then we could become pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, especially as we're recording this on St. John of the Cross, and you think about, you know, um, submitting yourselves to the holy will of God, right? Like where he was suppressed and thrown into jail by his own order um, to try to do reform. At the end of all of this, we have to, if you can decide that Christ is truly Lord of your life, King of Kings, King of your life, then the martyrdom piece is, it. they're correlated. It's part of the package. So whether that's red martyrdom or white martyrdom or both, like, you know, a, uh, you know, St. Maximilian Colby got both. Um, there's, it, it's part of discipleship. And so for all of you out there, just as you're reflecting on, the, you know, really these two pillars that we were focusing on is Christ king of your life and how is that manifested and pray through that. And are you, because of that relationship, because of that acknowledgement, are you ready for the martyrdom that comes, red or white? And so, we want to encourage you all to continue to listen to us and to, to kind of reflect on that and to, to send any type of communication. I mean, a like, follow, subscribe, share. Anything, dude. Anything. If you're just there, if, dude. I mean, if you're just breathing, if you can just work up, muster up the effort to click on a like, that'd be pretty awesome, you know, so that way we can go from four views to maybe six. I mean, we're good. I mean, we got the angle. You guys have already seen the angles we got going on. We got the lighting situation. Lighting is good. Yeah. We're, we're matching now. We're yeah. going to start doing uh, dances that match too. Yeah. We're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, you know, we got this whole wood contrapment thing that we're on. Wood, and then, different yeah, chairs, know. dude. Yeah. We're, we're vibing out over here. So why don't you just, you know, continue, continue to join us, continue to support us, continue to pray for us. And maybe one day we can all become bro. So, you know how we do it. We get holy or die trying. God's peace. See you on the next episode.